0: Welcome, everybody, to the Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. I'm your host, Nick Irvin. Join me as we dig a bit deeper into the films and events of this year's 2020 festival. So much for joining us on this episode of the Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. Today we talk with Brett Williams about his film Pacific Lines. It's a climbing film, but it's much more than that. It's also a look at Angie Scarth Johnson's journey to discover more of her family's heritage in a place called Tonga. If you haven't seen this film yet and want to before we talk about it, you can head over to sidetrip.com.au and see if they've posted it up. Now it is a film festival film, so it's making its rounds and it's not up at the time of this this recording but hopefully you get a chance to either see it at the film festival or maybe afterwards all right thanks again for joining us and don't forget to download all the other flag mountain film festival episodes let's go ahead and start the show We are here with our guest, uh, who is the filmmaker of the film that you may have seen or are going to see at the Film Fest called Pacific Lines. And you are, I think you had many hats on this film, uh, quite a few. So uh, his name came up as Helpful Subwoofer, but I'll let him actually (laughs) tell
1: us
0: (laughs) who he actually is.
1: So my actual name is Brett Williams. And uh, yeah, I'm a, um, I guess, just all around jack of all trades filmmaker from Melbourne, Australia.
0: Right on. Yeah. Um, and this is a film that is um, almost kind of uh, a series, would you call it in, in a series, you've kind of fallen in love with the place you were filming about, it seems like.
1: Kind of, yeah. Like, uh, unintentionally as well. So, it's the second film that I've made over in, on this little island called Awa in Tonga, which is, um, yeah, in the Pacific Islands. And um, yeah, second one that I've made, and I'd love to go back and do another one at some stage uh, on a slightly different... Subject, but I can probably get into that later. But yeah, like, um, yeah, it's the second time that I've been back there for a climbing adventure slash film mission
0: Yeah, so so why 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 Tonga?
1: Um, well Tonga kind of came up because uh, some friends of mine from New Zealand originally decided to uh, explore that area looking for unclimbed rock, so um yeah, I guess kind of a bit of backstory. like my wife and I used to live in Christchurch, New Zealand about uh, 10 years ago. We lived there um, for about two years and uh, over that time I had previously worked in film before that but was had also was quite a new climber and had taken a break from filmmaking and was actually just working full-time at the local climbing gym in Christchurch and at that time Met lots of other climbers and um, yeah, made lots of friends and that kind of stuff. And then we eventually moved back to Melbourne, which is where I'm from originally. Uh, a few years later, um, some friends of mine were planning a trip to this little island called Awa, where they had heard rumours of um, lots of potential climbing, seen images of these big limestone cliffs there, from roughly kind of you know up to about 80 or so meters in height um, which looked ideal as like a sport climbing destination and nothing had been developed there at all yet and um, so it kind of like there was the possibility of a pretty exciting adventure there. Um, From my own kind of point of view I had uh, been, I made a climbing film when I lived in Christchurch that was my first like proper climbing film. And after that, because that was almost feature length, like that was about an hour long. I've never done anything that long since then, to be honest. Everything I've done since then has been short and kind of web-based and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like hearing about this, that sounded like a really cool opportunity to A, go on an adventure with some friends and B, really step it up from the filmmaking side of things and uh, push you you know, some sort of adventure film story. And, um, yeah, so I gave them a call and, you know, checked to see if they were interested in doing that kind of thing. And they were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so I started pursuing this idea of a project there. And, um, yeah, managed to crowdfund, actually, a little bit for my costs to cover my costs for, like, getting over there and back and stuff because that was actually my second year as a full-time freelance uh, videographer. So basically, like... Um, it's pretty scary, like, you know, going away (laughs) for, you know, a week or two and, uh, you know, turning down work and that kind of stuff in order to make a, um, otherwise self-funded climbing video project. And, um, so yeah, that was really good and that helped actually generate some interest in it as well. And also just inform people, including all of the production companies and clients and stuff that I shoot for kind of what I was up to. And, um, but yeah, anyway, went over there, ended up only being able to, manage like in terms of my own time getting over there for about a week and doing it totally solo with this small crew of friends from New Zealand who were exploring and we spent the whole the whole time essentially exploring looking for climbing areas which we found Um, we had some intel from an American climber who had lived on the island a few years before and he was really probably the first one to see the potential for it um sadly he didn't have um anyone else who he could kind of develop that stuff with so uh, or climb with you know climbing obviously requires more than one person generally and um so yeah he'd abs and done a bit of recon but never actually had a chance to you know really develop anything and um and climbing is such a foreign concept to the local tongan community there as well that there was also that aspect of it of um just letting people know what we were interested in doing, and yeah, what the kind of idea was behind it, and um, yeah, so I was really fascinated by that, by that kind of um, diplomatic side of things, and you know how we kind of do it right, you know, rather than, you know, even here in Victoria um, where you know climbing has developed over a really long period of time we can kind of get ourselves into trouble, you know, in access kind of, you know, issues, uh, especially regarding things like sport climbing, where there's a permanent um, marker behind, which is a bolt, and then there's chalk, and then there's human traffic, and all sorts of things that kind of come through there. So how do you kind of manage that? So it was kind of fascinating to see how we could kind of approach that in an area with the local community, with the local government, um, from the ground up, with maybe a bit more of a conservation kind of mindset in mind as well. And so, um, so yeah, I went on this journey, uh, we explored, we talked to people, we met lots of people, uh, we had a great time, and eventually we got the okay, like we found some amazing looking places, and it was awesome for me, like from the film kind of point of view, like seeing the change and the excitement in the people who were over there looking for, those areas um to see their reaction when they were just like oh my god like the potential here is just stunning like you know almost unlimited like there's so much good rock here it's so much better than like they were expecting so that was super cool um but yeah like from it was pretty funny like from a film point of view I was there for about, yeah, about a week and by the very end, I had to fly home and we hadn't climbed a single thing yet. We literally just sailed off a bunch of cliffs and checked out a lot of stuff and then when we finally got the okay to actually like bolt something, I was out of there. Like I just had to get back, I had work booked back in Melbourne, <laughs> um, but I still managed to cut a film out of it and um, then... Yeah, like a couple of years later, um, or really probably about a year later, because I had had I'd circulated the trailer for quite a while and then eventually just released the video on YouTube. And um, yeah, so a couple of years later, uh, young climber Angie Scarth Johnson uh, saw the film and was super excited about uh, this possibility of going over to Tonga and participating in basically just what the guys were already doing, like the whole climbing development scene over there. And so Angie's a sponsored athlete, and so with a sponsored athlete comes the potential for funding to actually, you know, like personally, I didn't really have any intent to go back over um, unless I could get my costs a bit more covered for it, because it is a pretty big investment. And so um, when there was some interest there from Angie, I was like, oh, that's really cool. and. Um, then it just started to kind of grow really like and we learned that she had this personal connection like a family connection to um the location and the place and suddenly there was all this potential for a richer story than just kind of like going over looking for some climbing and putting up some roots like it was more like well hang on a minute like this idea of like cultural cultural identity is you know hugely significant to anyone really and to be able to go over to a place that um you've never been before but where you've got heritage and to you know forge some connection to that while at the same time you know stepping out of your comfort zone and uh, pushing yourself into a different kind of um yeah a different skill set of your sport is um yeah it's hugely rich uh, content for a story so yeah we're quite excited about that
0: yeah, absolutely. That that scene where she, um, and it's probably a little bit of a reenactment of when she saw your film and got excited with that connection. She's like, "I heard the word Tonga. My dad's from Tonga." Yeah, like that that little scene really kind of perked me up when i saw that that was that was a cool little um
1: i'll tell you what it was so surreal shooting that because i'm like yeah and so it you're right it was reenactment it's basically what we do in you know like video production all the time in terms of like shooting kind of like just b-roll and overlay and that kind of stuff but it was you know it was telling the story it was sort of as it happened kind of thing but um the thing that was super surreal for me in that was like I'm filming her looking at a phone, looking at a shot that I know I was behind the camera of two years before, over in Tonga, filming this dude looking up at these walls, being like, wow, this is amazing, you know, so, I'm just like, this weird, like, full circle kind of thing, it was, um, it was pretty funny, but, yeah, so, um... It was really cool actually like so in pre-production uh leading up to this story I was because so Angie and her family are based in the Blue Mountains and I'm down in Melbourne so you know like quite a distance from each other um but yeah so we were Skyping to talk about um the sort of story and the family connection and that kind of thing to kind of figure out like what the story was and um uh Angie's mum Claudia is uh like quite involved in the organization kind of process of things and everything as well and yeah she was kind of telling us how um, basically as a family they had really strongly embraced her side of the family and the Spanish side of their heritage and that kind of thing and Spain obviously has tons of climbing there so you know for a young climber like Angie it's incredibly tempting to go over and also just it's awesome place to go and culture and all of that um, but yeah her connection to spain was really really strong whereas um yeah their connection to tonga was not so strong like uh it was there but it wasn't like you know integral into kind of like you know who she is or anything like that and so um yeah this was sort of like yeah it was really cool to hear this from angie in her interview and everything about talking about how you know she saw tonga immediately thought of dad and you know then they started like just connecting the two. I mean, for someone like that, climbing is life, you know, like climbing is probably number one kind of thing. And um, then when you can combine climbing to, um, you know, family and just everything else that's, you know, important to you, then um, yeah, like it's just, it's a really cool, cool way to approach it, I think.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And your approach to it, having it just open up that way, I thought was great because right off the bat, we know that there's, this is more than just sitting down and watching a climbing film. Totally. Um, Yeah. We're told, we're told right off the bat, her statement, she says, when people ask me, you know, where I'm from, I say Australia, then I say, I can talk about Spain and that thing. And then she said, i can't talk about Tonga and then mm. you you wrap back and end it with a with her yeah. sitting there on the beach saying I wrote down a little quote uh, now I can say I'm Tongan and know what I'm saying and be proud of what I'm saying I that's that's awesome that that little moment I know. it's
1: so awesome isn't it yeah totally yeah I love that I got I got shivers just like you know editing that I was just like and when she said it in the interview I was just like, I, I gotta say, like her interview was so good, like, or both her interviews, like her one in the Blueys and the one that um, we did in Tonga. But yeah, her interviews were so good, like just so authentic, so genuine, and so many good bits there. And um, but I'm really glad you picked up on that as well in terms of the um, the bookends of the film because you know we sort of incorporated a few little subtleties there, like you know in the opening we sort of hid her face from view and sort of showed more like you know her kind of like you know we see her feet and back to camera and you know she's back to camera kind of standing in the water kind of looking out to the horizon and that kind of stuff and you know like sort of by you know I'm probably overthinking it but I've had a lot of time to think about it but um you know that sort of like you know that sense of identity you know by kind of like concealing her face in that you know it's Mm. like that idea of that identity is kind of like not yet being revealed whereas the very end of the film I mean the final shot is you know your classic portrait looking straight down the barrel kind of thing but we also have these quick cuts of where she talks about you know her mum's side and her dad's side and we cut to like you know her, like, whale necklace indicating, you know, her Tongan heritage and her, like, you know, almost Spanish-looking eyes, you know, when she's talking about her mum's side. And I just love those little details, like, those little almost grace notes to kind of, like, you know, really sort of just subtly kind of, like, like just visually accompany exactly what she's talking about. And, um, yeah, so, no, I was really stoked with... uh, You know, it took a lot of crafting to get that, you know, opening and closing just right. And um, we spent quite a lot of time back and forth in the edit around it. So, um, yeah, it worked out well.
0: Yeah, yeah, great job on that. And and that's really a big point of why I want to do this podcast and talk about those moments because when we're sitting down as an audience and watching this, um you create that feeling in us as watchers. Yeah. Even when we're not really trying to specifically look at those shots, but you've created that feeling yeah. and that those thoughts in us. And I want to talk to the filmmakers and like You know, kind of get these secrets that that explanation you just had, and I remember the shot where she's looking out and she has her back to us, Um, thinking fully into that. That yeah, we don't know her identity in that sense. Yeah, but she's looking forward across the ocean at her future identity. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: and it's funny and like oh geez, I just I can't believe how lucky we were just getting all of that stuff as well. Like so, we shot that. Scene. Um, so we, we shot those, those, those final shots of her on the beach and, um, and her interview on the same day. And it was at the end of the trip. We were on the island for about two weeks. And, um, the last probably three or four days on the island, were just brutal weather, like just so hot, so humid and muggy. Just, it was like, you know, 95% humidity kind of thing. Like just like crazy yes. kind of just awful. And, uh, and we still hadn't shot Angie's interview yet which we needed for like you know like the whole film and um because so much of the time of the film was taken up in the searching for the cliff and the bolting process and all of that stuff and um and then there were a couple little gaps here and there in between like you know rest days and weather windows and things like that but you know um so Yeah, by the time we got to the point where we were like, all right, let's, you know, it's end of the trip. We need to shoot the interview. It was literally the day that they were taking a boat out. And so they were even like, they were still packing that day and leaving that afternoon. And so we took her out that morning. And Simon, my co-director, I think he was probably getting a little bit, a little bit concerned that the film wasn't like cinematic enough as well. Um, I remember him telling to me, he's like, "It's not going to be a beautiful film," and I'm like, "It'll be a cool film. Like, it'll, you know, it'll still have like, you know, beautiful shots and things like that." But let's get some of them this morning as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always kind of had in mind that I wanted to get some reflective kind of stuff out on the beach, but would go get the interview first. And so. Um, The other funny thing is, even though it's like a remote tropical island, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, it's really, really hard to find a good, quiet space to shoot an interview out there. You've got coastline all around that is like, um, you know, crashing waves and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, we were staying at this accommodation, which I didn't want to shoot at because it just looks too much like accommodation. Like it's not super nice by any stretch of the imagination. I think, well, if you watched Climb Awa, it's the accommodation where I shot the interviews there. So to me, it would have just looked too similar. So I wanted to really differentiate it and give it a more natural kind of look. Um, But I had shot a time lapse the night before out on this, in this little bay where it felt a lot quieter. And um, so I was like, maybe if we go out to that little bay, um, that could work. And so, yeah, we found this little spot. We initially tried somewhere on the beach and it was just like way too loud with the waves. And so we went, found this other spot where it was like we could tuck Angie in like behind this rock and um, hope that that would kind of like mask the sound of the waves as much as possible. And then Simon was able to come up with some really cool, like, um, framing where you could have like some of the rock kind of coming in one side of frame and some of the rock you know further in the distance coming in the other side and just get some really beautiful symmetry there and um, yeah and then we just kind of went to it and yeah like she was just incredible like considering the conditions and stuff like that like the humidity and the heat and just the fatigue of being over there for so long and um, she didn't need us to like give her questions in advance or anything like that. She was basically just kind of like off the cuff and very conversational. I mean, she's done a lot of interviews before, but yeah, I was just like so impressed and we took breaks every now and then. And I like, you know, stocked up, you know, with my producer hat on, I like, you know, would, you know, bring like everyone, like big bottles of water and snacks and things like that and kind of stop and start as we go and keep it pretty chill the whole time. And, um, But, yeah, I could not be happier with that interview, hey, like, it was just, yeah, it was so good. Like, it was just so much good stuff that, you know, she would give us throughout that interview. It was amazing. And, um, and then, yeah, like, we basically, like, got that and then... You know by that time we're in like full sun and it's getting like pretty brutal and um yeah but we still had to like you know shoot all those ronin shots of her walking along the beach and looking out to the water and everything and um and yeah like you know so we got all of that and then it was like all right great we've got that and then it was just such a short time after that they were packing up and getting ready to go so it was kind of like in a nick of time you know <laughs>
0: man yeah, yeah. I, for you, you talked about how good she was at speaking and all that and, and the conditions weather-wise, but also I was thinking in the back of my head, as you're saying that this is the last day they're packing, they're leaving. I think a lot of people would feel rushed and, and might not give a good kind of, you know, interview or answers because in the back of their head, they're like, okay, it's over. Let's just go. Um, so that says a lot to her. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of people's success when they're out there. I mean, she's doing, I think 14 C was like her, her hardest climb. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's been in the spotlight and she's been in there for a while. And that personality kind of might shine through on that. The shot where you're talking about, uh, that, um, you're, and you said your co-director Simon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he set up it to me, I kept feeling like she just was sitting on a bouldering pad, like with that rock right next to her, like she's taking a break. Um, (laughs) I like, I like that that kind of scene and that kind of feel like she was just like off of a climb and like oh hey i'm gonna sit down and talk a little bit Um, but that's really cool to to hear and to know that that was actually to mask the the water yeah (laughs) yeah definitely
1: yeah it had you know i mean sometimes things can have two benefits you know it was like let's use it to block the water and it looks cool you know (laughs) but yeah so no it worked out really really well
0: yeah That's great, and to know that all that was, and and you said you still did other shots after that too, to like to wrap it up. What a hectic, what a crazy day!
1: (laughs) Oh man, I I know how to to really like sort of cram it all in, like on (laughs) Klimaewa in uh you know because I had such a short time there on my final day that I was flying out. I shot like four interviews, I shot more B roll, I you know, and then disassembled everything, packed it all down for like you know sort of international. Travel kind of thing, you know, where you just pull everything apart and pack it back, you know, in whatever Tetris kind of formation it fits to put it back. And you know, I, you know, I looked back at that and I'm like, Jesus, how did I like get all of that? But yeah, you sort of just get good at working fast, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's kind of the opposite of that at some points too. It's kind of a hurry up and wait because when they spent, I think three days they spent about three days bolting um mm. it seemed like um there's yeah. probably a lot of time in between oh, i don't know maybe that's not correct maybe you were just rushing around getting shots for that But no, we're, um, pre- yeah
1: we're pretty busy like um we kept it all uh yeah we we're fairly constantly doing stuff like uh so i think it was this i can't remember if it was the first or second day it might have been the first day actually of bolting um because they were doing the bolting down in the um uh, that bowl, which was like a 50-meter abseil, to get down into. Um, up until the climb day, it was just me down there, which left Simon up top. So I think on the first day, Simon shot the interview with Tech on the island, and um, so he did that one. Whereas we together we did the rest of them, and um, so yeah that one kept him pretty busy and I was pretty busy and I pretty much hung out with Angie and Lee the whole time that they were bolting so um yeah that did keep me pretty busy just picking shots and that kind of stuff and um yeah so were
0: you were you up uh were you up there uh shooting those shots of them yeah
1: yeah oh it was it was you Okay. okay, yeah. So, I mean, it, we literally had a crew of two. Like, it was just me and Simon uh, in terms oh, of the right. production team the whole time over there. And um, so, yeah, like, we basically... So, the stuff where they're walking around the bottom... Uh, like, when we first go out to the cliff... So, I'm, like, shooting all those gimbal shots and Simon's shooting all the handheld shots. And um, then, yeah, we sort of change it up and Simon puts the drone up and... Uh, so I had down first, actually, uh, through that jungle, which was brutal. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because I had like camera backpack, and I stupidly brought the Ronin with me. It was like a Ronin M, like the slightly larger one than the you know smaller ones that people are using.
0: Yeah, and when you're talking about when you're talking about gimbals and Ronin, just so people know they're talking about uh, a way of stabilizing the camera, and yeah. they can be like really big um, electronically active machines. So yeah, exactly. she's complaining about, uh, abselling or rappelling down into that. And yet you've got all your gear.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. It was hectic. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, yeah, like I basically abseiled down, but then, I mean, the thing about the the Ronin is you kind of need a flat surface to even just kind of like set it up. Like I was shooting on a, um, I'd brought my GH5, which I tend to use on the gimbal quite a lot. Um, I brought that down with me and uh, yeah like you've got a stand for the Ronin and you usually like put the stand on the ground put the Ronin on the stand balance the camera like you know set it up and it's good to go but once I was down on the ground there's like no flat ground there so it was like a real pain in the ass to try and find somewhere to like set up the stand and, um, then like, you know, balance the camera and everything. So I basically, and then, you know, like I got down there, I'm like looking around somewhere and then they're like, I'm sailing down. So I'm like on the radios, we had like walkie talkies. So I'm on the radio to mm. Simon. I'm like, put the drone up. Let's get a shot of Angie, you know, I'm sailing down through this <laughs> jungle cause it's horrific and, um, you know, which means let's capture it. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so yeah, he puts the drone up and so I'm pretty busy sorting that stuff out and, um, yeah, that was great. But yeah, by the time they got down, I just shot it all handheld just because um, I didn't really like have the, you know, space easily to set up the gimbal down there. And so, and it was also a bit of a slightly treacherous kind of location as well. So, you don't necessarily want to be running around with a gimbal um, when like, you know, you could easily just fall over and crack your head. So, um, So, yeah, I thought I'll just kind of be a bit more careful. And so, I did some kind of like Fake gimbal shots where you know there's shots where they're sort of. I was shooting it all 50p, so it's a little bit smoother, that you know, like s- slow mo. And um, but yeah, I did a few shots where I'm kind of which made it into the film where I'm kind of like looking up. Uh, from behind them at the wall, as they're like pointing and looking at stuff and just kind of like doing a bit of a glide across behind them and things like that. And uh, yeah, it all worked out at the end. And in fact, one of my favorite shots is from that scene where they're silhouetted against um, the other wall in the background, just looking up um, at some of the lines up there. And I just find that image of, you know, these two climbers, you know, the silhouettes of these two climbers kind of just looking up towards the wall. Like, yeah, just such a great image.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a classic scene at any cliff, you know, mm-hmm. whether not just route developing, but looking at routes when, totally. you know, the climbers have their, have their necks up and they're they're yeah. checking out the routes. Yeah. And All then I, up there. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that, uh, there was a shot that you did a real close up of her eye, yeah. um, looking up at there. That was brilliant.
1: So that's bit of a cheeky one. That's, yeah. So that's one of Simon's. And, uh, so, Yeah, one of the great things about macros is you can cut them into pretty much anywhere and no one knows where they're from. And uh, so (laughs) I was actually, Simon shot that about uh, four four or five days later uh, when she was, uh, and that was when he did come down and uh, like down to the base. And that was actually her prepping to do the climb. And uh, so, yeah, he was uh, – she was getting all ready and Simon shot. So, at that point, I was up on a rope getting ready to shoot uh, her climbing and Simon was shooting all the B-roll of her kind of like, um, you know, tying in putting shoes on that kind of stuff and yeah it was a must that we had to get the uh the classic macro shot of the eye looking up at the wall you're right it's a stunning shot and um yeah and so i just thought in the edit um that just worked so well for her imagining the potential of the cliff there so i bumped it to that scene instead <laughs> yeah nice. Perfect. Yeah, yeah that that's what really it's about well. totally yeah. totally yeah
0: yep yeah so um kind of to switch uh, gears a little bit um, to talk a little bit about the bolting uh, because yeah. I think that is a, a big part of it that um, this is a an issue and you brought it up uh, earlier um, about access issues mm. and stuff like that so not only were you guys coming into an area where they didn't have any development and you know let alone knowing about what can you know what the responsibilities are of, of the bolting and to yeah. have this, this young girl she was 14 at the time right? That's right yeah 14 year old and having her take that next step for developing routes I think there's my mind went both ways one way it was like oh that's awesome what a what a great inspiration for people to to take control of their of their I don't know their journey in a sense yeah. um but then also I was a little I was like ooh yikes like that's that's possibly an inspiration that we need to be careful with. And you you did cover that in the garage shot, Mm. or I think it was in a garage where they're bolting. Yeah, that's right. Um, But was that on your mind when you, when you were bringing over a, a 14 year old to start bolting?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like safety was actually, and safety was first and foremost, just the top priority of the film, no matter what. And, um, yeah, like, having a main character who's a teenager just reinforced that so much more um yeah it's funny hey like you know i've seen so many adventure movies where there's kind of like an element of danger involved and it's almost glorified and that's fine but i was a bit like i'm not cool with that for this story because you know we're essentially over here on a trip with A 14 year old kid and you know her family and you know we don't want to be like losing our heads here so we actually did a pretty big safety briefing when we first arrived on awa and just all sat around at the table and just talked about a lot of the hazards there um that we were aware of you know from there are a few of us who'd been to that island before but a lot of it was common sense stuff and that kind of thing as well and you know and it's so yeah like We literally had to put the idea of, like, you know, we always had the idea of let's make a good film in our minds, but we had to put the idea of let's make an amazing hardcore adventure movie a long way out of our minds and just focus on the task at hand and what we wanted to do and do it as safely as possible. There was quite a lot of responsibility on Lee's shoulders um, because he's kind of like, you know, he's very much in that mentor role for Angie. And I think mentorship from a responsible person like Lee is like the most important thing you can do for safety as far as that kind of stuff goes, whether it's over in a remote island or if it's, you know, anywhere. Um, so Lee was more than qualified for that position. He's like, you know, trained up so many people in how to fault safely and responsibly as well. Um, you know, there's safety and is also just doing it well and doing it, you know, not doing a crap job of it and that kind of stuff. So it was really great to kind of, um, you know, see that side of things. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, we didn't, we really didn't want to push it, um, too hard. And we were always trying to be quite mindful of, um, yeah, just, you know, how kind of, how risky this was and yeah, and not kind of encouraging, you know, good to encourage other people to step out of their comfort zone, but, you know, to do so responsibly, which is sort of, you know, the, just, a good approach to life i think <laughs> uh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah step
0: out of your comfort zone but don't be stupid about it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and and lee i think you did real well in in presenting him as as that mentor uh, is he he's he is in he's in a, uh, bleh, 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 there's an edit point right there <laughs> um he um he's her coach regularly. Right. Or,
1: uh, I don't know if he's like a coach. I think these days I'm not really too sure. I think these days he's just more like a climbing buddy. Um, but as far as like, um, mentoring goes, uh, for the bolting side of things, he's definitely like, you know, you know, in that kind of role, but yeah, she's, you know, grown up fast and she's got her own friends to go climbing with. And he's kind of, um, him and his wife, Andrea are both kind of in that uh, sort of category. I mean, they live not too far from one another. Um, yeah, they're all up in the Blue Mountains as well. So there's a pretty solid community of climbers up there in the Blueies. So yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, it was. I think that was a really unique part of the film was the bolting. Um, I know I keep coming back to that, but um, just seeing, you know, that process, because I've never, I haven't put a bolt in, I've been climbing for about 20 years, but I've never mm. even, you know, drilled a hole. Um, and so to see that process happening was both a, a little bit jealousy but also um, really cool to watch and like yeah. I said that garage scene when he said it's it's a privilege um, and a responsibility yeah. uh, and then he said like spider-man and yeah, she, I don't I'm think like, she had any clue
1: <laughs> the thing I didn't realize um, was because you can hear me just like pissing myself laughing in that because that's kind of like Lee and I are the same age and so that's kind of like um it's a, bit, it's a bit of a generational joke i think because it's obviously a reference to like the sam raimi spider-man film um which i remember watching when i was like a teenager and so that's kind of like yeah i've seen that film like a shitload of times and um then i realized angie wasn't even born yet when that movie came out <laughs> you know she's <laughs> so, yeah. looking at us it, like uh why are you guys laughing <laughs> yeah yep. <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty funny I think we were showing our age there,
0: yeah yep yeah there's a good little a little generational thing and, yeah. and it but uh hopefully it'll it sank in for yeah um, yeah the message yeah um so that was that's kind of cool to hear that Angie brought on the Um, not only the the focus of the film, but also your ability, like you said, um, budget wise to go Mm -hmm. over there. Um, So I'm assuming she brought North
1: Face. She's sponsored by North Face. So yeah, she's sponsored by North Face. Um, It's a little bit of a, it's a funny one. Like it's, it's a bit of a small community in the adventure outdoor um, scene here in Australia. And, um, and there's definitely not heaps of money to like, you know, splash around certain things and stuff like that. But um, so I already knew the people at the North Face through previous climbing videos that I had done. And so I wasn't kind of like a completely unknown quantity to them, but I'd never mm-hmm. gotten funding from them for anything in the past. Um, I shot a video back in 2015 with Alex Honnold and Hazel Finlay when they were out here in the Grampians. And um, that kind of put me on the radar a little bit with the North Face and, oh, and at the same time, uh, the like my very first climbing film that i made when i lived in christchurch um which was paid on like zero budget because i was earning about 15 bucks an hour nz at the climbing gym um it was literally <laughs> shot on like a little hdv handycam uh once i finished that i got a sponsorship from another outdoor brand here called paddy palin um for these uh, to put on these screenings around Melbourne and up in the Blue Mountains uh, as fundraisers for earthquake relief for Christchurch at the time because they'd been hit by hmm. the earthquakes back in 2010, 2011. And um, so my contact there at Paddy Palin had ended up, you know, I hadn't spoken to her for years, but she'd since left and moved to and like gone to the North Face. And then when we got in touch, we were like, oh, hey, you know, like, you know, we sort of worked together you know like eight years ago or something on this other thing (laughs) um but that by no means meant it was a given and so this is kind of where simon came in as well because basically like you know i'm a you know one man band kind of thing where i'll bring in additional uh crew as i need it and uh otherwise like side trip productions is essentially just me and um so they were like oh yeah look you know we saw climb over and you know like what you did there and everything but like you know if we're going to Put some money into it. We want it to be like really like polished and slick and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, like a bit more of a high end kind of product. And I was just like, all right, that's, you know, it's, that'd be amazing to make. How do I, you know, how am I going to sort of pull that off? And so, I got in touch with Simon, who was an old friend of mine from Christchurch, and he had initially been, like years and years ago, like back when I was living there, he was a photographer, but he'd since pivoted into filmmaking, and he's really gone hard on the commercial side of things, and uh, set up his production company, Resonate, he's got a team there and everything, and um, they've done just absolutely amazing work. And at the same time, he's also pursued adventure filmmaking, and had a film called Waters of the Greenstone playing in Banff last year. And the production quality of that was just mind boggling. Like just, you know, so beautiful um, and such a great story as well. And so, yeah, I got in touch with Simon and was like, you know, hey man, like, have you got any tips, any advice, are you interested in even helping out on it? And he was interested in helping out on it. And um, so he was like, yeah, maybe we could we could do this. Like we could collab and um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, basically team up and uh, you know, then go for gold kind of thing. And uh, I was like, man, that sounds amazing. And so um, we, yeah, I just continued the whole process of uh, liaising with Angie and um, her family about what the kind of story was gonna be. And then throwing ideas back and forth between me and Melbourne and Simon in Christchurch, kind of figuring stuff out. Simon gave me some really fantastic direction on like how to write a treatment and how to present a treatment. Um, Hmm. and so, yeah, like I saw the treatment that he did for his previous film and I was just like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And, um, and I've got a collaborator here who does, um, all my motion graphics and graphic design and that kind of work. And so basically like, yeah, I just worked with that guy to produce like a really detailed treatment. And, um, can, you, yeah. can you
0: explain what a treatment uh, is?
1: so it's essentially a document that uh, outlines your vision for the film. It's like, it's called, the full name is a director's treatment. And essentially it's kind of like, it's almost a magazine layout kind of style. Like, you know, here's our story. Here's who the characters are. Here's what our approach is going to be. Like, it's, um, it's a lot of information presented in a really like professional way uh for what you're trying to create. And um gotcha. and yeah, so we did all of that and sent it through and got the green light. So that was yeah, it was a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um mm-hmm. and it probably gave you, you know, I won't go through all the resources that you were able to maybe, you know, come across uh with that. But um yeah, polished is, is a great word for it and what a what a cool opportunity
1: yeah i mean it was still very much a passion project uh for me it was essentially costs covered uh i think for simon as well like it was um yeah like it's not um i don't really know like you know what the budgets are like too much for you know projects in the u.s and that kind of stuff but i can i can safely say i would have made more money by not making it (laughs) oh Um, all right yeah it's not it definitely wasn't like a Um, a money-making kind of project. It was more just kind of like a, uh, especially given the amount of time that we're over there and the time that we spend in post-production on it. It, But it was just a passion project. I mean, yeah, we were able to get, you know, yeah, it was was pretty much a break-even kind of thing from a financial point of view, but, you know, which is why I wouldn't do it on a regular basis, because it's never going to pay the rent. Um, But yeah, it's kind of a thing that if the story is worth it and if the opportunity is there, then you know and we can afford to do it then we'd make that happen i mean i've had some pretty awesome experiences out of not just making this and being able to um kind of like tell that story and also learning quite a lot through that process but and then just the final outcome of it in terms of getting to screen it and go to film festivals and that kind of thing is a pretty exciting opportunity yeah
0: yeah that's great yeah um I, I did want to talk a little bit about the, the family. Um sounds like you were talking with them before heading over. Yeah. Um and then there was a lot of uh like genuine moments that you were able to capture with them and then also at the the uncle's house. And yeah. so is there I'm always interested in, in when you have to go someplace like that where it is intimate for everybody except possibly you. Mm-hmm. Um how how that feels or how you go about that or is there any kind of strategies that you that you have in going into those situations
1: yeah it's a funny one like um so the family stuff uh started with um so I did a shoot in the blue mountains which was just me um because Simon was over in Christchurch at that point so that whole start of the section was literally just like I'm shooting and doing the interviews and everything and that was a really good kind of like um, jumping straight into a kind of exercise with the family and gave me an opportunity to kind of, I guess, establish a quick rapport with them as well. Um, and them all being fairly used to, they've done video shoots and things like that in the past as well where, um, you know, they've sort of go through a few things around their daily life that it wasn't kind of like a totally foreign concept to them. So they were very much on board for a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like... Um, capturing all of that was for me a pretty good icebreaker and, um, then yeah, heading over to, um, Tonga, uh, and that's where Simon came in as well. Um, yeah, I think people were just very open and very friendly. And I think it just comes down to just being there and being talkative and, you know, taking your time and, um, yeah, just enjoying kind of you know we enjoyed the experience as much as they did to some extent, like getting to go out and you know see how to climb a um, palm tree and all that kind of stuff. So oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah So yeah, it was a really fun kind of like cultural experience for us. I'll tell you what though, that day was um, was hectic. Like it was a it was a pretty tough day for Simon as well, a little bit I think because um so basically like we had two or we had three cameras for the whole shoot um our a camera was like the big one like a sony fs7 it's kind of like you know professional standard kind of camera and then we had a b cam for interviews which was um a sony a7s or a7r mark iii um and that was kind of like a you know backup camera and you know like just small camera for certain things and Then I had my GH5 just as a backup, and I mean, uh, I wasn't even going to bring it, but I was a bit like, I'm not traveling without one camera of my own that I can just grab and go. And um, so, yeah, anyway, day one, which was when we shot the family stuff, uh, uh, Simon's camera had died, like it had gotten damaged in transit, the A cam. And so Ooh. we're like, yeah, so we're desperately struggling to like find a uh, replacement Sony FS7, like find someone who is gonna rent us an FS7 for like two weeks over in, and send it on a plane unaccompanied to Tonga. <laughs> like who's gonna do that, honestly? <laughs> Meanwhile, we had this like big family event scheduled, uh, which, you know, was critical to the story and um so we had to you know we're kind of balancing out you know trying to facilitate that as well as shoot all of the stuff in a short amount of time that we've got in tongatapu which is the main island and um yeah so yeah, it was just it was it was quite stressful, um, but <laughs> we managed to like make it work and um, and got everything that we needed, thankfully. Um, so yeah, and we got the replacement camera as well. It came in just in time, uh, just before we uh, had to jump on a boat and head across. But it's funny though, <laughs> I've I've probably thrown a bit of a red herring in there because um, the. In the film, you don't see the family event until later, until just before the send. Whereas in actuality, um, we went to Tonga, did the family thing on day one, and uh, then went to jumped on the boat and headed across to Tonga tapu after that. But editorially um coming from like doing all the bolting practice and then like you just want to get out and start looking for rock because it's going to be so long before we see any climbing anyway that i felt like pacing wise it would work a lot better to um show her arriving in tonga checking out tongatapu but then jumping on the boat heading across and then heading up to um uh Yeah, to the main area where she could start bolting and just really getting into it. And then we could take a break from all of that, really sort of experience the cultural side of things, which had actually happened about, you know, a week earlier, and um, then reflect on that and then show the send. And so, narratively, it worked better. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, those decisions you make in the edit, hey?
0: Yeah. And I think I was thinking that too, as you were talking about that, that it was a nice little kind of like sit back break to go back to the family part. Totally.
1: And the whales as well. Like, you know, getting a chance to, yeah. I mean, that's one of the really special things about AWAT too. Hey, like, you know, I remember sitting on a beach, you know, shooting a time-lapse at like sunset and just watching whales, like, you know, just coasting along the shore there and just being like, man, like this place, like it's, it's just such a special place and so peaceful. Yeah, it's one of those things that reminds you just of the sanctity of it. Hey, you know, that those kind of places need to be protected.
0: Yeah, and speaking of, of protecting those places uh, with the access and everything, I, I saw that on your uh, original video of Bewa mm. um, that you were uh, giving kind of a resource of Tongan Rocks, I think it was, tonganrocks.com. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's a website called tonganrock.org.
0: and so the the access. What is it? What is it looking like over there right now in in Tonga? So I guess what I'm asking is, I guess what I'm asking is, yeah, what is what does the future look like for rock climbing over there in in Tonga as far as either development or access or both?
1: It's looking really good um, as far as development goes. I'd recommend that anyone who has an interest in doing it that they pay a visit to that website and um, get in touch with the original root developers over there just to kind of like have a chat about it um but yeah it's looking really good i actually spoke to someone about a week ago uh who had been living on awa for quite a while and um was asking her about like what the general kind of reaction has been like as far as the locals are concerned and um she like she's a tongan american peace corps volunteer who's been living there and uh yeah she was telling me that people are generally positive about it Or don't care and so um, (laughs) there's not really been any like negative kind of uh, pushback or anything like that from it which is great Um, uh, Greg the guy from my original film and who's one of the original developers there he's going back over there this year with another small group and they'll continue that process of um, you know just kind of good relations with the local community there as well as uh you know continual kind of exploration and that kind of thing but they've also had uh discussions with you know ministry of tourism and that kind of stuff around the island and um and we actually like as part of the film like we had to get permits to shoot there from the ministry of tourism um, when we went over and they were super supportive. In fact, there was, um, one person there in particular who was a really strong advocate for us. And when, um, our camera had died, uh, she was instrumental in, uh, you know, arranging for the quick import of, uh, you know, our temporary import of our replacement camera. So, um, yeah, so far it's been a really, really positive process. That's
0: great. That's great to hear, um, mm. and something that was not on anybody's radar, um, and and now with this this beautiful film, it is. Yeah. So, um, cool. I definitely want to say. This is a, a great addition for this year's film fest. Uh, Flagstaff has a huge population of climbers here, awesome. and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna love this one. I got a sneak peek, so haha. Um, and I love the story. I think the story, like I said, uh, the the bookends part of it tells it right off the bat. You 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 know, you're not just watching another climbing film. Yeah. And I appreciate all the time spent that you you and your your co-director Simon spent on this because I know the editing room is, it's a cave and you go in and (laughs) like you said, this was a passion project and you did it at cost. And so, so thank you so much for, for putting this story together and, and sending it out to the world.
1: Oh, no worries. Thank you for, uh, you know, enjoying it and, you know, uh, featuring it there. I wish I could head over and uh, participate. I did a little film festival run last year, at the end of last year, and that pretty much spent my budget for uh, international yeah. travel. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's super exciting to see it getting out there and, uh, yeah, to hear people enjoying it. So, yeah, I hope it, uh, hope it all goes well.
0: Oh, it will, for sure. Um, anything before we uh, head out? Uh, Anything you want to plug, any any future projects or where can we find your stuff?
1: That's all good. Uh, Yeah, so my website is sidetrip.com.au. I'm on the socials but I've barely ever ever posted anything. And um, (laughs) yeah, so um, I'm working on a couple more projects that I'm pretty keen to get going at some stage. I think the whole, um, yeah, the process of making this film and the last one and that kind of stuff has definitely like been a huge learning experience in terms of um just what makes for a good climbing doco like you know and you know really trying to make it about more than just the climbing and so um yeah that's definitely something that i'm really keen to pursue in a number of different things that currently kind of like just scribbling down notes about every day so yeah i'll see how i go
0: nice good well i'm I'm psyched for the future of that and psyched for the future of of climbing films moving towards that because i remember back in the day rampage and all those all it was was just grunting and hard rocks and all that stuff so now we're getting the storytelling so that's cool so i'm excited that you're working on some stuff and so it was uh side trip uh is is your production company
1: yeah side trip production
0: yeah everyone who's listening out here go check out um all the films on there there's kind of the prequel if you will um prequel of of this one Um, but yeah thanks again awesome All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in and digging a bit deeper into the film with us. For more information, simply go to the show notes for a couple of links on the filmmakers and the films. If you enjoyed this, please take about 30 seconds to subscribe and rate the podcast so that we know y'all are digging it. I'm Nick Irvin, you're you, and this has been the 2020 Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. Cheers and see you next episode.